theater, how many of you like going to theater, whether it's musical theater or any other kind of theater? Yeah, it's, it's a blast. I, I really enjoy theater. And, you know, um, had the privilege when I was in high school and college to participate in a couple of musicals, and I've done church drama and all that kind of stuff, and really, really, really enjoy all of that. But um, one of the things uh, for me today is now I, I really, really enjoy sitting and watching other people do theater rather than being on stage anymore. I, I think I'm just not sure about my memory that I remember my lines. I'm so used to having notes in front of me, but um, what I really enjoy about theater is those people that are really talented. They're, they're so talented that you forget that who they are. You, you don't see them anymore. You see the character. Um, I'm a little biased, but my wife is just a tad bit good at that. Um, and I really love watching her um, do theater. The ancient Greeks absolutely loved theater too. And so they would have people gather and, and of course they would build these large amphitheaters and part of the problem for them would be people way in the back couldn't really see the actors and so they couldn't see their faces and that kind of stuff. And so their solution was to build, you know, to um, make masks. And so they started making masks. Wow, everything is really messed up on my tablet here. Whoops. I, I am, this is the second week that this has happened. Here we go. I'm trying to get to there. So these are the kind of masks that, that they would do. And these masks would be really a caricature of the person they're trying to display. So if the person was happy, they would over-exaggerate the smile or if sad or angry or whatever. And part of the reason also that they wanted to do masks was because back in ancient, uh, the ancient Greeks, uh, only men did theater. And so men would dress up as women, and, uh, and they would have these masks on and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the interesting thing is the name for these performers, they, they weren't called actors back then. The Greek word um, that is translated to English is the English word, are you ready for this? Hypocrites. So the definition is literally one who wears masks. That's what the definition of hypocrite is. Take that to the bank for a moment and sit on that. I could preach on that right there. Yeah, look at that. Hmm. The reality is we're all hypocrites. To a certain extent. We're all performers. We all put on a show for others. We all, at times, wear masks. And the masks that we wear are like a happy mask. Um, or I'm better than you mask. Now, I don't have to wear that mask anymore because I know I'm... <laughs> Sorry. I knew it was going to come. The I'm very together mask. 
see if any of these, you relate to any of these. I'm a victim mask, or I don't care mask. It's a, it, you put on the mask, I don't care, so you protect yourself so you don't get hurt. So I don't care. Or I'm self-sufficient mask, and yet maybe on the inside you're just dying because you think you're falling apart. Or I'm very important mask. Or I don't need anyone mask. I don't need love mask. I'm the expert mask. I won't go there. I'm always right mask. I'm a pastor mask. It's a mask. You just need to understand that there's times. It's a mask. I'm not hurt mask. Or fill in the blank. Uh, Some of us have gotten really, really, really good at wearing masks. Um, And part of it is because we're just maybe ashamed of our life or maybe we have sin in our life we don't want people to know about. The crazy thing is is that social media is our place. Let's just, instead of calling it social media, let's call it hypocrite media. I mean, really, what, what do we do on social media? It's look at me, look at my perfect vacation, my perfect family, my perfect life, when really... Maybe everything is falling a lot uh, apart. Um, and being wearing masks, I mean, I want us to, yes, we all wear masks, but I don't want us to walk out of here feeling like, oh man, I'm a mask wearer. Uh, and yet we need to take a look at it seriously. But relationships are painful. I mean, they are. I mean, where do we experience the most pain? In relationships with other people. And often, relationships with people that we care most about. Uh, My tablet has just gone bonky, Rebecca, regarding um, everything. So you're on on docket up there. Good luck keeping up with me. Um, And the sad thing is, is when we talk about masks, Church has become one of the greatest places where we wear masks. Uh, there's a bunch of judgmental people in the church, you know. Um, there's a bunch of people that care more about your behavior and that you're living the right life rather than what is going on on the inside. Um, and oftentimes we're so, we're, we're, we're so worried about keeping our own mask on that, that we hurt others. I, I've told this story about this young man named Brad Munson who was in my youth group many years ago. Um, Brad showed up, and I was leading a small group of junior and senior guys, and they were all athletes and that kind of stuff. And Brad Munson was just the opposite of these guys. And he came in and knew and all that kind of stuff. He just started... Uh, verbally accosting some of these guys. It was just crazy. And I was just trying to, where in the heck is this coming from? And, and the reality is, is I got to know Brad. Um, from the time he was little, he had been hurt by people, by words. And so his mask was, I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. I'm going to throw the first punch. 
And it was so much fun because, and I shared this before, I, I challenged these nine, ten guys in my group to make that year the best year for Brad, and it was. It was crazy. Um, I was thinking this morning of uh, an experience that um, my daughter had at a church we were at <clears throat> previously. She was probably in fifth, sixth grade, and it was after church on Sunday, and the teacher of the class came up and told me, you know, um, Nick, Nikki was uh, misbehaving today, and I told her she's the pastor's daughter, she should be an example, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, <clears throat> my daughter has a lot to deal with because she's a pastor's kid. Now, you can tell her that she needs to behave right because that's the right thing to do, absolutely, but don't tell her it's because she's a pastor's kid. I expect you to hold everyone in that classroom to the same standard that you're going to hold my daughter to. A friend of mine, uh, his name is Brent, he uh, was a youth pastor and he was preaching on a Sunday at his church and he was talking about some struggles that he was going through and just all kinds of people came forward for prayer afterwards and the senior pastor called him into his office later that week and he had listened to the message because he was out of town and he reprimanded my friend because he wasn't portraying an image of, protect, or of, of perfection my word, perfection. Uh, this senior pastor expected everybody on staff to wear a mask. That's, that's what we do. And we all have our reasons. But the reality is there's a high cost for wearing masks. And in a book by a guy named John Lynch called True Face, he talked about some different long-term costs when we intentionally wear masks. Some of those long-term costs are, he convinced, we convince those in our sphere of influence, our family, our co-workers, our really good friends, that when, when I wear a mask, I convince them that they too must wear a mask. Uh, when I wear a mask, I present to them an idealized person and I expect them to be that idealized person. That they too must hide what is true about themselves, that in all reality, a new life in Christ doesn't really work, that it's better to be unknown than to risk rejection, that self-protection is your only hope. That's what happens when we constantly wear masks. Also, we teach others to live in guarded fear. Protect yourself. Don't, don't let anybody know that you have anything wrong. Live in fear. It produces a life of comparison and envy. Social media. We trade vulnerability for a veneer of safety. It's really not safety. Um... And the thing is, is that we're not only actors in our life, we become directors, directing others and how they should act. So, when I wear a mask, I teach others that what's on the outside of me is more important than what's on the inside of me.
In this book, True Face, talk, uh, John talks about two main areas that cause us to wear a mask. One is guilt. When we have sin in our life, unrepentant, unforgiven sin, our conscience goes into action, which is a good thing. And us believers having the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit goes into action. That's a good thing. The problem is, is that when we don't deal with that guilt, that unrepentant sin in our life, then we have a tendency to lash out at others. And see, here's the funny thing. Um, the area that, of my unrepentant sin that I'm struggling it with is usually the area that I will judge you in. Because I see, I see me in you. I see my failings in you. The other area is hurt. When others sin against us, we experience hurt, and hurt causes us to lash out, which means we sin against somebody else, which means we experience guilt. So unresolved guilt and hurt produce shame. And shame causes us to pick up our mask. So, can anybody tell me where shame began? Yes, the garden, right? Genesis 2, 24 and 25, this is what it was like. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. How cool would that be? I mean, not the naked part, but... But, but to be unashamed, can you imagine living life unashamed? Talk about freedom, right? Feeling no shame, wearing no mask, not trying to make sure I'm, you know, being who you want me to be. Ugh. Then, as we know, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and when that happened... Adam and Eve both felt guilt and they hurt each other because they blamed each other. They didn't take responsibility for their own sin. And then they had to cover themselves up. And then they hid from God. Because of shame and guilt, they hid. So what is the answer for us? The, the good thing is that God has given us an answer, right? Right? It's called, these aren't like really popular words, but this is the answer, repentance and forgiveness. Two weeks ago, we talked about repentance, and I talked about, remember we, the idyllic picture of Acts 2, 42 through 47 of the church where they were devoted themselves to things and had everything in awe, and they were all together, all that kind of stuff, and I said, we sometimes take that out and just read that, we forget, where did these people come from? They were pierced to the heart by the gospel message that Peter preached, right? And they said, okay, what do we do, Peter? And Peter said, repent. And be baptized. These were people that had repented. They took their masks down. The answer is in repentance and forgiveness. And here's the cool thing, right? First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's a done deal. So let's confess. 
Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen, right? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, the law, uh, through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit has set you free from having to wear a mask. You can put your mask down. So why is this so important? Because, you know, the series we're in is one another. We're talking about one another passages, and I haven't mentioned one another yet, nothing. But this is important because last week we began the conversation around the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son? The father sees the son a long way off, and God is our example of love. God sees us a long way off, and if we're going to love one another, we have to see each other a long way off. And remember in 1 John 4.10, this is what John says, this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a toning sacrifice for our sins. And so love is about giving and sacrificing. It's about, um, it's, it's, that's what God did for us. And that's how we are supposed to approach one another. And so we need to understand that love in the kingdom of God is God's kind of love. And in verse 7, John says we are commanded to love each other because love comes from God. So if we're followers of Jesus and we're in the kingdom, we need to love like God. And loving one another is about taking off our own masks and being in communion, in relationship with each other, in fellowship with each other. First John 1.3 says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John, what did he proclaim? He proclaimed the good news of the gospel. Jesus died, rose again, ascended, Your sins are forgiven. You have victory over sin and death. There's no condemnation. This is what John says. This is what they proclaimed and they have seen and heard. So they proclaimed that to everybody so that they could be in fellowship with each other. And our fellowship, their fellowship with each other is with the Father and His Son. You see how that works? So I'm proclaiming to you the good news of Jesus Christ. Put down your mask. Your sins are forgiven. It's done. Now, put on your mask because we're to be in fellowship with each other, just like we're in fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. Hmm. And fellowship here is not just hanging out and watching the football game. The word fellowship is familiar. Greek word koinonia. There's been a million sermons on this. Fellowship, or koinonia is fellowship, it's communion, it's intimacy, it's intercourse, it's this oneness, it's experiencing relationship with each other. It's knowing each other, not just head knowledge, it's knowing each other with our heart, it's experiencing one another. So, um, when Acts 2.42 says that the early church was devoted to the fellowship it didn't, that doesn't mean they just hung out and ate food every once in a while. They were devoted to each other in communion, in intimacy. They knew each other. They put down their masks because their hearts were pierced and they had repented. That's why they were in awe. That's why so many awesome things were going. So we are to 
love one another. So what are the steps to loving one another? Or what are the steps to taking our masks off? Or what are the steps to fellowship? Or what are the steps to intimacy? Whatever you want to call it, what, what kind of steps do we need to take? I'm going to steal a quote from Jeff and that's from, I love this, what Dr. Brene Brown says. And I just want to read it again. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. It's in our DNA. When those, when those needs are not met, we don't function as we're meant to be. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we hurt others, we get sick, we put masks on. We need Fellowship, intimate relationship with one another. We need to love one another. Our DNA tells us that we need that. So the first step is this. Be true, your true self with God. It begins and ends here, people. It begins with an intimate relationship with God. Are you real with God? I mean, God's real with you. Two weeks ago, I, I, I said, remember, we, we, should, we should pray, search me, O God, Psalms 139, and know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any way, wicked ways in me. And then if you remember, I said, remember, in the beginning of Psalms 139, what does it say? He has already searched you. But many of us put a mask up in our relationship with God the Father. We need to, God's bigger than your stuff. Just, God, I'm struggling with this. I need help. God, I, this is a mess in my life. I keep doing this. I need help. Be honest with God, okay? Because he already knows. You're not hiding. You can't hide from him. Adam and Eve couldn't hide from him in the garden. We can't hide from him. So the first step is this. Be your true self with God. Repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness. And know this, He has already forgiven you. This confession and repentance is more for you than it is for God. Because God has already done it. But it's important for you to say, "Here's I'm taking my mask down, God. I'm going to confess, here's my sin. Thank you for forgiving Step two is this. Be your true self with those close to you. How are you doing in your marriage? Do you have a mask on? Do you have an intimate relationship with your husband, with your wife? That was part of Terry and my problem a number of years ago. And, let me just put that. That was my problem. I wasn't, I wasn't intimate. And I mentioned this before. I went through a period of time, probably 15, 20 years ago, where I prayed that my relationship with Terry would be intimate and transparent. And that prayer was really for me. I had a mask up. What about your kids? Do you have a mask up for your kids? Are you transparent with them? Do they see your real self? 
You need a couple of close friends. Guys, you need men friends. Ladies, you need women friends that you can put your mask down with and you can just go, blah. We all need it. You don't need to share your dirty laundry with the whole world. But you need a couple of people in your life that you can do this with. What would happen? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to go on to step number three. Step number three. Be your true self with the church. That's right here. Okay, let's just say it all out, out, out loud. We're all... We're all people living in the flesh. We all have disordered desires. We all get deceived by the evil one at times. We all do. So let's just go, okay, everybody. We're all, we're all in this together. All together. On the count of three, we're going to take our masks down. One, two, three. Boom. Hey, you know what? I love you because you're a child of God. I love you because you were created in his image. I'm going to love you no matter what. All right? No matter if you offend me at some time, no matter if I mess up and hurt you, I'm I'm loving you. What, What do you think would happen if everybody in the church began to put their masks down? I think we'd experience Acts 2:42 through 47. The next step is be your true self with your neighbor. Remember Jesus' definition of neighbor is someone that's not part of your tribe. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Again, we don't need to have a mask for our neighbor. Be yourself. Just be you. Be you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to say all the right things. Be you. Trust me. If you are you, they'll be more attracted to God because what? God has you in his kingdom? Next, be true, your true self with unbelievers. You know, one of the greatest things that we can do with unbelievers is to uh, be true in the way of, hey, when you're talking to somebody who's an unbeliever, find out where their pain is in their life and pray for them. And then share about your pain. Oh, this is, this is the area that I have struggled with. But I, here's what I've found in my relationship with Jesus. It's your story. But be true. And lastly, just be your true self all the way around. Just Take your mask down. Stop being a hypocrite. Be your true self. As we wrap up this morning, Jack Deere, in his book, Surprised by the Voice of God, writes this about intimacy. Fear of intimacy will always find a substitute suitable for your own individual personality. You'll never know what you've chosen the substitute unless the mercy of God comes to you. And that mercy may come with pain and always comes with intimacy. So what he's saying there is um, fear 
causes us to substitute intimacy with whatever our personality is. So if you're an extrovert, you'll substitute intimacy for having a bazillion friends. And they'll be all your best friends. If you're an extrovert, introvert, extrovert, introvert, if you're an introvert, introvert like me, okay, you'll substitute intimacy for, you know what, I need alone time. I need to be by myself. I'll figure it out on my own. Now, whatever personality types, whatever, we all substitute. This is just a couple of examples. And so we, fear causes us to put up a mask. We need to put it down. So what is your mask? What is your shame? What is the unrepentant sin that you have in your life? What hurt have you experienced from someone else that is keeping you from fully experiencing intimacy with your Father and intimacy with those around you? Friday afternoon, I was at a park here in Forest Lake talking to uh, a man from Forest Lake. He's not a part of Crossroads, but it's somebody that I've gotten to know over the couple of years that Terry and I have been here. And he was sharing stuff, and I just kept, Holy Spirit, what, what, what is it? What do you have for this man? Show me. And as we were talking, all of a sudden, um, something popped into my brain and I pressed into a particular area. And it was a mask this man had. It was unrepentant sin in this man's life. So here we are in this park. This is a follower of Jesus, okay? So it's not an unsafe This is a follower of Jesus. We're in the park. We've got hand, holding hands across the table. And he, at that moment, is confessing his sin and repenting and asking the Lord for forgiveness. He walked out of there a changed man. Um, This morning as we close, we're not going to be doing our discussion groups this morning just because of time. Um, We're going to have a couple of people up here and praying. Um, if, if you need just to, to pray with someone, come on up. It's not about... Just, just come up for prayer. <laughs> or, if you're sitting next to somebody out there that you are in close relationship with and, and you need prayer, just turn to them and say, hey, can you pray for me right now? If you've got unconfessed sin in your life, take care of it today. Let's, let's, let's put our masks down. Because remember, you are forgiven. Christ has already done all of the work. And let us be a church that loves one another by taking down our masks 
in being intimate and transparent with each other. Let's pray. Father God, this, this is hard. Transparency, intimacy, taking our mask down, it's hard. So I just pray that you would give each person in this room the courage to do that. If, if there's any place that they've been, been wearing a mask, I, um, reveal that to each person, what, what the mask is. And today, Father, um, we confess that we either are or have been mask wearers. And today we renounce the spirit of fear, the spirit of shame, the spirit of guilt in Jesus' name because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is freedom. And today, we choose to put on our masks and to walk in freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand for the benediction. And again, there will be a couple of people up here for prayer after the service. And now I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that he would enlighten the eyes of your heart, that you may know the hope that he's called you to, that you may know the glorious inheritance that you have with all the saints, and that you may know his incredibly great power for us who believe, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And all God's people said, amen. Go in peace.